Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. We want this to be something that we ourselves find value in and want to listen to. I'm your host, Mark Mosier. Alongside me is co-host David Morrow. Each episode, we explore leadership, culture, brands, and interview leading business professionals and civic leaders. We also play brand culture trivia against our guests to make the experience entertaining and fun. So come join us and enjoy. And please don't forget to download the episodes and leave us a review. Thanks. Let's begin. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Brandology podcast, the leadership, the 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit. I'm your host, David Morrow, and in the studio today is my illustrious, always positive co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? I'm wonderful. Always positive. I like that. You know, positivity is a choice. Yeah, positivity is a choice. It's from my app, The Insincere Things to Say to Coworkers. Well, it's very (laughs) good. Very effective. I give that a a five-star app right there. It's a great app. Yeah. David, I'm excited about this episode. We have an incredible panel lined up today. We do indeed. We do. So joining us today is Raquel Boris, um, Emily Downey, Dawn Kirk, Aaron Sikorsky, Erica Siebert. Welcome, everybody. How is everyone today? Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Great. Wonderful. Great. Thanks. That's fantastic. So um, the format, as, as we've had in, in other episodes, is we're going to have this panel discussion. We have several questions to ask the panel uh, to gain your insight, to help mentor and uh, provide insight for younger workers, uh, females in the industry, males in the industry starting out, um, people of all verticals, all industries in terms of leadership, culture, branding, things like that. And, um, and then this panel discussion is going to be followed uh, by your individual uh, presentations and contributions, which we thank you each for. So um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start with the very first question to the panel. Um, as, as a leader, um, these are all questions that, that have come from listeners. And we've surveyed several people, so that's where we where we develop these questions. Right. So, as as a leader, how do you mentor and inspire younger workers to believe what you believe in? So I'll I'll jump in. Um, great, a, it's a great question. But I think the best way to inspire and influence younger workers is first by being the example. Right. I think the best way to influence is by your own personal example and treating others, you know, similar to the way you want to be treated. And hopefully by your example, people learn, you know, what leadership really looks like and hopefully mimic your example. That's excellent. Thank you, Dawn. Oh, and and that was that was Dawn Kirk. Um, And this is Raquel. I was going to kind of say the same thing in the sense that I try to walk the walk in the sense that. so I'm someone that has my own business, but I don't have any employees. <laughs> it's just me, myself and I. So for me, how I present myself out to the world and on social media, that's where I really try to um, you know, be a leader by just showcasing different skills and you know, that I think that younger generation should also exemplify too. So 
I try to show up as being kind, respectful, compassionate. I try to be a good listener. I try to encourage and support, especially other females <laughs> in the industry so that in turn, the younger generation can see, okay, wow, these are adults that are also behaving like adults. <laughs> right. <Good point>. Yeah. <laughs> This is Erin, and uh, something that I find helpful when working with um, anyone is explaining why they're doing what you're asking or, or you know, getting their buy-in and explaining what the purpose is and the, the mission. So, so often we know it already. It's so ingrained in our heads that we forget not everyone is in our heads and knows, knows what, what the end game or the strategy is. So I find that explaining what we're trying to accomplish and achieve has been really, really helpful in getting everyone on, on board on the same page and, and really helping them see the results of their work as well, showing them like, look, look at what we accomplished. This is your piece of this big puzzle. And, and that's, been, that's been helpful for me. That makes good sense. It's not just, we need you to go do this. Yeah. Here's what we as a team need done and here's why. You know, right. the, the why behind it. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I liked what Raquel said about, you know, she made the statement like, I don't lead a team, but I try to make sure I'm a good example. And I think it's important for people not to think of leadership as only when you have other people that are following you, but leadership mm -hmm. truly starts with yourself. And um, you can't lead others where you haven't been. Um, so if, when you're leading yourself well, then you're much more likely to be able to lead others well. It's so true. Dawn, that's a great point. And actually, all, all the points were excellent. Um, and we're not done with the question, obviously, but that excellent points because in, in our organization, Mark, you see this, we have younger people that aren't necessarily have any direct reports, right? They're not leading people, but they're involved in these meetings and there might be 15, 20 people in the meeting and they're younger. And I'm always encouraging them to speak up because mm -hmm. for two reasons, one, um, what they have to say has a lot of value because they see things in a different perspective than from where I'm sitting. And two, don't ever underestimate that we're not gonna, like don't ever assume we're not gonna listen. Right. Right, because, because I can't tell you how many times we've come out of some of these meetings where we're like, okay, that meeting did not turn out the way I thought. We're now going a different direction. Who came up with that idea? Um, Carol or Todd, like somebody four <laughs> years out of college, that came up with that idea because they saw it with fresh eyes and yep. we were kind of stuck in a holding pattern. Yep. So very good insight. Any others? This is, this is Eric. Go ahead. Emma. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I would just echo what everyone else has said, but also add passion and energy. I think when you lead with passion and energy, people are more likely to be captivated and to follow. I think your passion and energy can tell a story. Um, and so, I think that's a, a big um, aspect to making sure you're leading well is to be passionate and energized about what you're what you're doing. I think that will come across. Um, and you mentioned listening, David. I think that's really important. Um, I often think we're, we're saying the same thing just in different ways. So as long as we can make sure that we're kind of all on the same page and, and they're feeling understood, they might be saying it differently. Um, but you know, we could all be saying the same thing, and we can get a lot further if we listen. Um, so just kind of recapping how people feel because it could be the same mission and value, just a different mean to the end. Oh, good point. Excellent. Erica, were you going to speak? Actually, she was reading my mind. There you go. <laughs> so 
I think the emotional connection to what we have with our teams and how we actually get to know each of our team players and understand what makes them tick also helps give them the courage to actually speak up in these meetings because with the younger the younger crowd sometimes they are a little bit shy about giving their opinions or feel like they don't have a voice in the in the, in the aspect of whatever is being discussed and so really understanding that emotional side of them and the human side of them uh, gives them the courage too, to be part of the team, gives them the opportunity to, to really feel like they have a voice uh, to be heard. So Fantastic. I think everybody had a ton of great points uh, on this. So thanks. That's, that, that's good. And that kind of leads us to, to a scenario which is based on, based on real life experience. And that is, consider this scenario. You know, I'm a young professional, but I'm growing frustrated, right? I want to make a huge impact. I'm a young member of an organization wanting to make that impact, but I've only been there for, say, less than a year, right? And I'm getting frustrated. What advice do you have? This is Erica. I'll jump on that one. Uh, I have been so fortunate to have grown in different organizations because I've always asked to have great mentors. Um, it's so I understand getting frustrated and maybe people want to grow, people want to change. Uh, having great mentors that have done that, been there, um, help with your mindset, your strategy, how to communicate and also how to grow. Um, and so finding great mentors within your own organization or around your organization or your circle of influence definitely think that that has been one of my uh, areas that has given me the platform to grow throughout my career. Uh, without those mentors, I don't think that I would have had the bandwidth to uh, accomplish the things uh, that I've been able to accomplish. Excellent. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, mentors are, are so important. I, I think in addition to that, I would always encourage people to make sure that, you know, look around and say, have I really began building relationships with my peer group, with um, my key stakeholders across the organization so that people begin to know what I'm passionate about doing and what my skill sets are. And then I always challenge people to look around and see what problems there are. Like I, the best way to influence is to become a problem solver. Like you don't have to stand. It's like, I want to, I want to do this and look at me, just start solving the problems that are repetitive around you that, you know, many people spend time talking about the problems. Very few people really spend a lot of energy saying, how do we solve this once and for all? And so if you could become that person that's always solutions oriented and bringing solutions to the table, I guarantee you people will start knocking at your door you know, inviting you in to other meetings and to other projects saying, we, we need you, you know, type of thing. So I always encourage people to take that step as well. That's so true. This is Raquel. Um, Don, I love that because my dad has always been someone that has said, Raquel, if you have a problem with something, you always need to bring a solution mm -hmm. to the table. Don't just be a complainer and expect somebody to solve it. If you're complaining about something, then you should already have come up with some kind of um solution for it and so yeah then you'll gain credibility and respect from your peers and and they'll listen because they'll be like this person knows what what they're talking about yeah. so that's definitely yeah. helps and it doesn't matter how long you've been there i mean right. it really doesn't yeah. and i think sometimes we sit back because we think oh we don't have the right yet because i haven't been here long enough 
but I, I think it's the best time because you have fresh eyes, you have a different perspective, and sometimes people get tunnel vision because they've been there so long, and you could be that um, breath of fresh air. Absolutely. This is Aaron, and I was just going to, I agree completely with both Dawn and, and Erica, and something that comes to mind is just being proactive, asking questions, uh, probing more. I, I see a lot of times people are afraid to ask questions and challenge, especially when something's been done a certain way for a long period of time. Um, but those those are good things and should be encouraged. And any way that they can make someone's life easier, <laughs> bringing back to the solution idea. I'm like, if you can make someone's life easier, they will have you around all day, every day. So <laughs> thinking critically, uh, being proactive, and um, like you guys said, been fortunate to have excellent mentors who've opened doors, um, and, and you have to ask. They don't just say, hey, you know, I'm looking for someone to mentor. <laughs> um, so right. being, yeah, taking the initiative on that. Well, you know, that brings up a good point. And that is, you know, we always have, especially with younger workers, we always say, well, we've got an open door policy. Don't you worry, come on in, ask any time. That assumes that they have the courage to step into the door. That assumes right. that they have the courage right. to ask for help. But it's gonna, if you wanna lead and you wanna make an impact, you have to be brave, right? It's our job to create an environment that you should feel safe so that you can speak up. But but being a leader takes takes some bravery. You have to be willing to fail. Right? Yep. And you and, and you need to be able to to take risks, whether they're measured risks or not. Yeah, this is Raquel. And I was gonna say that in there's going to be times where you're gonna have people in your organization or in the industry that don't want to hear what you have to say necessarily because once again they're in their tunnel vision like Don yeah. said so sometimes it takes a little bit more effort to get them to listen I mean I will tell you coming from the mortgage industry being a female being Latina mm -hmm. there were many times where um, it was tough for me to kind of <laughs> break the glass a little bit but I stayed persistent and you know if you're passionate about something and you really believe in it keep fighting the good fight because at some point there will be someone there that will acknowledge it and then they'll be your advocate if they're not your mentor at least you'll have an advocate within the organization because usually you'll have different uh, mindsets in there right it's like there's mm -hmm. some different opinions and so you find the people that are kind of like-minded or thinking that way you align yourself with them and then it just makes it a little bit easier but it definitely can be difficult sometimes I'm not gonna lie about that um, yeah, that's that's really <laughs> good. Keeping it real. <laughs> that's a great that's a great point when you say there's people aren't going to always be willing to even listen to your opinion. So you can be brave sometimes all day long and nobody's paying attention. And what I recommend for people in that situation is, you know, if you have the latitude, go implement what your idea was in your own space within your own scope. Because sometimes you can show people better than you can tell them. Better than you can that's tell them. That's right. like, okay, fine. They don't want this idea. I'm going to try it with my team. And then they come back asking, what did you do? Like, how did you get that done? It's like, funny, you should ask, you yeah. know? <laughs> so results trump a lot of things is what I tell people. So it's like, go get it done and then come back and share it as a best practice. If you can't get people to listen on the front end is another great strategy. Yeah, no, nothing excites me more than when I hear people that have been in an organization for a while or been in the industry for a while that are like, this is always, this is the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. Trust, like that, was, the, that phrase 
grates on me like nails, nails on, on a chalkboard. <laughs> Mark has been in meetings where I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Like I don't want, especially yeah. we, we're involved in advances in technology and cybersecurity. I don't care how things were done. Like they, those things evolve every single week. Like yeah. I don't care what was done even a year ago. I care what we can do now and if somebody's right out of college and they can come up with the answer and show us, God bless them. Like, yeah. fantastic. Let's embrace it and let's envelop that into our systems and our protocols and, like, leverage that for our clients. I so, think part of the challenge sometimes is that leaders sometimes think because they're a leader, they have all the answers. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely uh, not. Yeah. No, saying, like, like, what? like, uh, let it be said here. Yeah. We absolutely do not have all the answers. <laughs> no, no. But so many times I think leaders think, oh, I've gotten to my position. Right. Answers versus saying I've gotten to the position. My job is to um, facilitate the best answers. Yeah. Right. And that typically, even if you have a good one, when you sit centered around the room and people add on, it becomes a better um, idea. So yeah. we're, we foster idea sharing and innovation is what our jobs are as leaders. Well, it's a great point too, because your experience, Dawn, I actually brought up in a meeting today and I, and I said, you know, we interviewed somebody on our podcast who had moved up in these major corporations, you know, uh, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, all of these, these major corporations. And, and they didn't even always do it by promotion. They did it by jumping to lateral positions mm -hmm. and it's because of the attitude, because the point of the meeting was about attitude, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole point was, is there was a thirst to learn. You wanted to learn and capture all of these chips along the way on the board, right? Where you're like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to do it. It wasn't even a promotion. You took lateral moves just to learn more. And by doing that, then they recognize it and then they promote you. Right. Like it's just that's something that can be done. You know, yeah, knowledge is power at the end of the day. And it's something that no one can ever take. From. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and right. I, I saw knowledge and learning as a way to continue to add value in new, in new places. So the more I knew, the more I could add to a conversation or to an idea or what have you. So, yeah. And, 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 and a lot of things motivate different things, motivate different people. Fear is a huge motivator for me. So <laughs> job interviews, like I've always wanted to get as much experience as possible. Because, so that way, at least in that job interview, I'd be like, yes, I've done that. Let me tell you about the story. <laughs> Less, yeah, I had to do that too. Yes, that blew up in my face too, because I, I, I've done the same thing. We take those lateral opportunities, you just embrace it all and just stay positive. I haven't always been positive. Mark keeps me positive. He's like the most positive guy. It's a daily effort. It's a daily yeah. effort. <laughs> it is a daily effort. But the reason we ask that question and the reason I love that question is because there's so many younger workers that want to make an impact and they've they've grown up in an environment of instant gratification, right? Technology is a huge factor. Modern parenting is a huge factor, right? All of that. And, and they get involved and they view a job like as a discovery, like I found a job, I'm supposed to be in love with it. And it's 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 not a discovery, right? Like, like it's not a discovery. It's something that you have to work very hard at year after year. And and they they get frustrated. Oftentimes they want to leave the job, which we're seeing in the generation more so than before. And they want to leave because they're not making that impact. It's like they see the mountaintop um, and they're standing where they are and they see the mountaintop and they want to get there but they don't realize that you still have to climb the mountain. 
And I'm not talking about you have to do pay your dues. It's not like you have to stay here 10 years to do it. You can take a helicopter. You can get there in a year. You can get there in, in 10 years if you want to go slower, have a better work-life balance, however you want to do it. But you still have to climb the mountain. It's right. still There's still all of those life experiences that have to get you to that point. And so it's, it's just interesting because I had somebody who um, I was talking to and they've been you know, with the organization for about, you know, eight, nine months. And they're like, you know, I was, how are things going? You're doing so well. They're like, yeah, I think I'm thinking of leaving. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, I just don't feel like I'm making an impact. I'm like, you know, you've been here eight months. Like, you're not going to make an impact in eight months. Like, it's not that type of, like, the world doesn't work like that. It's not an app you can swipe left to. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Like, there, there's... There's, there's life experiences, there's challenges, there's all those things that have to happen for you to gain that chip. And then you, they're all building blocks for you to be able to step on and move up. But I do think, you know, when you think about the differences between our generations, that because there's that tendency to, for the immediate reward and the immediate gratification and the scoreboard, I think there's probably still some opportunities for us as leaders to make sure expectations are clear and that mm -hmm, they're measured yeah expectations because this generation more than ever wants to keep score. So yeah. keeping right. score in itself is not wrong. It's just that keeping score doesn't necessarily mean you're going to shoot to the top right away. But if there's a lack of scorecard where people can understand, am I making an impact? And they're right. not getting feedback on a consistent enough basis. And there's not a scorecard to swipe left or right to read to see where my name might be, then that may be contributing to some of the you know, consternation or this, the disengagement, like I'm not making an impact, I'm gonna to go to the next place. Great yep. point, because because the truth is, is they're probably making much more of an impact than they even realize. Right, but it's not measured or they're not, it's not being right. put in front of them or feedback about how they're making an impact. Right. So they can't see it. Yep. And they need to see it more than any other generation. Yep. David, would you would you consider, um, go, reflecting on, on your last comments, would you consider that it's time that leaders are going to have to adapt their leadership style in order to accommodate, not not even accommodate, but to lead this these upcoming generations? It's oh, yeah. they don't know any different, and now they're out in the world, and we're going to have to be able to pivot our styles to help grow them, and yeah. and that's not something that we can really change it, it is no, you're, there you're it's in front absolutely of us. you know and of all the people on the panel i knew you would probably bring that up <laughs> knowing you Sorry. because she, like because aaron is is somebody who's busted through in a completely male dominated industry and has been a she's such a well-regarded leader in the finance industry i will tell you that um you're absolutely right because we're the leaders now Right. Like we can't like I've lived my whole life kind of as a renegade kind of saying, you know, someday we're waiting for the world to change. Someday we're going to be the leaders and you just wait. And I'm like, dude, we're we're it. This is it. Like We're it now. It's time now. And the truth is, you're absolutely right. We have to we have to give them the feedback that they need and we have to adapt to a lot of what many argue were failed parenting strategies the the whole you know everybody gets a trophy environment that whole environment and they um they enter the workforce where you know they they you know 
they were struggling in a class, but their parents would call and that all of a sudden then they were given good grades. And in an instant, in a week, they enter the workforce and your parents can't do anything for you. In fact, we don't care who your parents are, right? <laughs> we don't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what your grades were. Nobody cares. You already got the job. Like that all mattered to be here. Now you're sitting at the table. Now you have to perform. And well, I think scary. that was Don's, Don's point exactly. I mean, just even in five words, you know, impact not measured is impact yes. not realized. That's exactly right. It's just that, you know, and that's, and as we all said, that, that this next group of leaders coming up needs to recognize that they need to be measured. They need to know where they stand because without that, they, they don't feel like they're doing anything. So right. let's I, do I uh, think that, Who was that that brought up earlier in the first question about mentoring? I would argue we need to do some reverse mentoring, right? Yeah. So we oh, yeah. Some folks around yeah. us and say, teach me, like, tell me what's the latest things. How are you guys thinking about this? And, you know, because we don't know either. So we both lived in two different worlds and we each only know what we've lived. And until we get that sharing, a collective sharing, not just the one way street of us mentoring them, but them also mentoring us, I think that's where the magic can happen. Yep. Absolutely. Mark, what were you going to say? No, I was going to, um, so a lot of times, uh, a lot of the listeners, the younger listeners, they like to hear the, not only the what to do's or how to do it, but the what not to do's. So, you know, we're, uh, we're blessed with, with panelists and with guests continually that, uh, can speak from experience, uh, to this next group of, of leaders coming up on some of the what not to do. So maybe a moment of reflection, say looking back. I don't know, over, over the years, however many years, and I'll present this to the panel. Looking back over X number of years, is there anything you would have done differently? This is Emily. I'll maybe jump in there. Um, as a young woman in a very male-dominated industry in the corporate world in my you know 20s, I remember either letting myself think that maybe um, being a young woman that didn't have a voice, I, I was really self-conscious of how I came off. Maybe a bubbly personality would give the the thought that I didn't have as much credence behind what I was saying or, you know, just different things that I think I let myself um, project onto me, whether those were real or not. Um, I really kind of hindered my voice and being bold because of maybe perceptions that real or not, I think I, I should have been more confident and I wish I would have been more confident to say, Hey, this is what I know. This is what I believe. Um, and I stand by it rather than maybe hunkering down sometimes because I thought I'm a woman in a male dominated industry. I'm younger, I'm newer, I'm, you know, all these things. And so I think I let some of those projections, whether I put those on myself or they were real, come into how I delivered my messages. And I wish I would have been more bold and believing in myself. Excellent point. Good one. Shout out to Mark and David for season two of Brandology. It's entertaining, funny, and full of cool stories. Play hilarious brand trivia and talk with famous guests like founders of iconic brands. Brandology is available everywhere now, so go check it out and see for yourself. 
Welcome, everyone, to season two of the Brandology podcast series. This season, we're going to reignite our brand stories, our case studies, and we're going to include feature exclusive interviews. We're going to talk about epic product successes, huge epic product fails, and the rise and fall series of some of the most iconic brands. So come listen and please leave us a review. No, that was good. Um, Raquel, so I was also in a pretty, uh, my first job at 35, I got married young and was a stay-at-home mom. So I didn't start like my career journey until I was 35. And I started from the ground up receptionist, but I was in the building industry and I was in the you know, I dealt with a lot of men as well. And it was the same thing where, you know, even though I was 35 and I was a mother and, you know, of two children and I've had a lot of experiences, I still felt like I wasn't able to kind of step into myself because, yeah, it's very intimidating. And I think, um, unfortunately, those environments tend to kind of make you feel that way. So just like with leadership, it's so important for the environments to give us permission and space to feel like we know what we're doing and have that confidence. So hopefully, I think that is going to evolve as well over time on how we let others kind of feel in that space and (laughs) with that company culture or that industry. So, yeah, but I think also a lot of that is just experience and just getting older and becoming just more confident in your own skin. I think it's just very natural for 20-somethings to be insecure. I mean, I'm going to be 46 and I'm just now kind of starting to be confident (laughs) in in what I'm doing. So for some, it takes longer than others. (laughs) Understood. I, I, I mean... I think I think everybody kind of reaches that point where either they stop caring as much or they realize, look, I have enough experience that even if this job doesn't work out, I'll still land okay. And there might be a few months of going through job interviews, but I'll be fine. But that gives them the experience and the in the confidence to speak up and winds up saving their job anyway. Um, but uh, you know, are, is there anything that you guys? really not regret but if you look back over the last five to ten years are there things you would have specifically done differently this is aaron something i wish i would have started earlier in my career was growing my network i didn't Mm. really put much effort into that both horizontal vertical inside my industry outside of my industry just growing relationships um as I've progressed and where I am now, it, it's how, so how does apparent that? that it's yeah. about the relationship. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's fine. No, but I, I, I guess my question is, if I'm a young person, how, how does somebody do that? That's right? an excellent, excellent question. And there, I think, I think it's easier now than it's ever been because there is there are so many opportunities present on social media platforms if you're a part of an industry that carries um a a designation let's say accounting or a legal firm or you know for me it's financial services and investments you can find professional groups that meet locally nationally Um, there's so many ways to connect now 
all you really have to do is is Google it and start asking around and and get up the confidence to walk into the room or the virtual room and introduce yourself and 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 it's I, I still um, in full transparency I still struggle with this like. I do much. I don't like big groups. I I'm actually kind of shy. I don't. I know that's hard to believe, but I am, and um, I, I and it prevented me from really putting myself out there and and making those connections. And now uh, it, it's a part of my job, and I enjoy it and meeting new people. Um, but I wish I would have started sooner and had had a bigger network. Yeah, Great I advice. like that. I agree. Anybody else? Yeah, so I was thinking, so a couple of things that people mentioned, I could have definitely said those things too. But I think the biggest thing for me is, I think it's easy sometimes on your quest to do well in, in your organization that sometimes you can lose yourself. And what I mean by that is we all have life goals that we're ultimately working towards. So for me, I spent probably about 10 or 12 years before I had that epiphany that you know, I don't want to become my work. I want my work to support who I am. Right. And so That's if I had to do it over again, point. I would have you know, hopefully have realized that a little sooner. And not yeah. so much that I would have done so many things so differently. There's probably one, you know, move that I would have not made, you know, that, and that's in that tough time that I really realized that, okay, I'm not being consistent or authentic to who I say I wanted to be and what was most important. So I would have redone that particular move all over again um, and not spent, you know, almost 10 or 12 years before realizing that I was chasing the wrong things, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Anybody else? Well, let's talk about what what we all know and we all will remember forever. Uh, 2020. <laughs> Right, a lot of what things happened changed. Then? <laughs> yeah, Did something no happen? It's almost what didn't happen. You know, I'm half expecting to see Godzilla coming down the street and like King Kong <laughs> to come in. You know, I don't know. So, looking back on 2020, and, I, and I'll present this to the panelists, and this this will be our closing question and comments. Um, what one lesson did you learn in 2020? That you know, there were a lot of them, but what was maybe the most impactful, most personable? What one lesson did you learn from 2020? I know mine right away. So this is Raquel. Um, so my word for 2020 was clarity because it brought a lot of clarity and it gave me my and my purpose was so clear. And um, and that's where I'm pivoting towards. And I'll explain it later, what, you know, when we do our little presentations. But I learned to listen to my inner voice. No, that's a good I, and I'm, I had the answers that I, you know, was like looking for in others and around me. I They were here all along in my heart. Um, and so I finally listened and now I, I have purpose. Good. I like that. Anybody else? I, I, I would say continued resilience because I think, you know, none of us experience anything like 2020. So I think we all think we've managed challenges well and we can go through tough times. But if, if, if 2020 wasn't an example of resilience, and for me, it just really reminded me that you can't take anything for granted. You know, so many times I think we go through the motions every day, just assuming everything's going to be the way we want it at all time. In an instant, literally life changed for us. And I think just mm -hmm. really um, being grateful for the little things and the small 
things. I mean, I've never spent so much time outside walking in my entire life, right? Uh, yeah. With nothing else to go do, you know, outside <laughs> sitting at the desk and working at least for a couple months. So just really, really learn to appreciate even more the, the little things that we sometimes take for granted just because we're moving so fast and that we yep. really do need to slow down, pause and smell the flowers today because they're not promised tomorrow. And I think we all have stories, if not personal ones, but people that we know that we're perfectly healthy and they're not here today. And yep. um, so we just can't take life for granted. And that was just a reinforcement of everything that we saw in 2020 for me. Yeah, that's really good. Excellent, excellent feedback. This that's is great. Emily. Um, I, I don't wanna portray that 2020 was a walk in the park by any stretch, um, but I thought there were some exciting times in that evolution and change and, and kind of stepping outside of what we normally do because we had to see things differently. We had to kind of mm -hmm. do things differently. Um, I took a new job right in the midst of COVID. Um, you know, I came on in April and they handed me kind of what it was, you know, our, our budget and the last year's program. And we really had to, you know, pivot a lot and, and dream outside of what had ever been done before and take risks. And that was exciting. I think what we learned was so invaluable that there are things that not to say that something, obviously, you know, we would love to do things in person and we will continue to do that back when it's safe and, and timely to do so. But there's been so much um, virtually and otherwise that we've learned to do differently because we had to. So yeah. I hope from 2020, I take that I always um, maybe challenge the status quo and question what I'm doing because, you know, I don't want to get comfortable and just keep doing things because I can. We have to say, does this make sense? Is this still relevant? Can I do it better? And I, I just think that was such a learning point from 2020. That's a really good takeaway. Excellent, excellent point. This is Erica. I wanted just to, I, I totally agree with Emily. I think from our, the industry that I'm in, um, we couldn't freak out, but we had to adapt pretty quick. Um, so and explain the, to us, explain to us your, your industry. I, I know what it is, but for the listeners. Yeah, so I'm in senior living and right. we, we bank on emotional human connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you have to rely on technology and, um, users that don't have the tech savviness <laughs> yep. so yep. much, you know, we had to really change, um, pivot and adapt to how we can make those human connections. And so I'm so grateful for 2020 because I had the opportunity to work with some amazing people with brilliant ideas and it was everybody, let's try, let's try all these great things and let, let's be positive about it. Let's do smell the flowers and, and enjoy, you know, these things, but we got to just throw stuff at the wall and try it just to see what would work. And it was amazing because there were so many more positive things that came out of that and oh. the creativity that came from just the group think tank sessions uh, to, to figure out how to get out of uh, a negative situation into a positive. I'm just looking forward to seeing what we're gonna do in 2021 because for me, COVID was a great way to refresh the old and bring out some new. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is a great, that's a great perspective. Because when I look at it, we cover, you know, we're in sales development, uh, customer service, IT support, cybersecurity, things like that. And we cover multi-states, right? And how can you get in your car and drive to all of your clients <laughs> and all of these prospects? I mean, it's 
it's a daunting task. And COVID allowed us to, I mean, we've always wanted to leverage Zoom and leverage Microsoft Teams and Google um, Hangouts and things like that. We've always wanted to do that because we're like, man, it, you know, rather than drive four hours and have one meeting and drive another 30 minutes and have another meeting, I could have two meetings in that day. I wish I could just do it here and I could do nine meetings in a day. Mm -hmm. Well, then COVID hits and we're doing 11 meetings in a day. <laughs> and so we're like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I can't believe it. You know, but we're wearing dress shirts and gym shorts, you know, <laughs> at the bottom. But, yeah. but the point is, is that we're accomplishing 11 meetings in a day now. Uh -huh. Like yeah. it's, it's really proven productive and so long as the social acceptance becomes the norm that it's okay to leverage advances in technology and do certain types of meetings remotely then we're able to accomplish more in a shorter period of time and then still save the in-person meetings for those that really matter yeah i i i'm i'm very grateful for that in 2020 and and my take, my takeaway, my, my one lesson from, yeah, my lesson from 2020 was maybe a little, little different take that what I really learned was box wine is really not that bad. Oh God. <laughs> it's not. I promise. Oh my. <laughs> this is, this is my children are listening to this. No, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. I'm gonna Aaron. stay away. I'm gonna stay away from Mark's wine. Uh, <laughs> I'm Thank sure you, it's Aaron. lovely. Appreciate uh, but. It. I think for, for us, for our team, it, it was 2020 highlighted the importance of having a strong team. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's almost a culmination of, of what every other one of you, you said on the panel, they were forced to come together. You had, you know, the younger team members training the founder of the firm on meetings <laughs> and technology. And, right. And I, you know, my part of my role is being an instigator of change and then managing change. And it's always slower than what I want. And so this just lit a fire <laughs> under everyone. And, and it was, I, you know, we got things implemented faster than it would have taken three years to do. So <laughs> I can't so speak highly, <laughs> highly enough of the team for just, you know, no one complained, everybody um, you know, did their part to, to keep us moving. And we were very fortunate uh, from a business perspective to navigate things the way we did. It was just awesome. And, and it just reminds you, you need the right people on your team and in the right seats and, and they'll do awesome things. So I'm very That's proud awesome. of how the team did in 2020. That's fantastic. That was some really great takeaways from 2020. That's all of those. Yeah. You know, you could, you could write a chapter and a book around each one of those. That was really good. Thank you for the contributions. Thank you, panelists, for being here. Thank you for opening up. Uh, we encourage the listeners. This is not the end of the episode. You can now go into the individual uh, podcast along with this one in the collection uh, to listen to each panel member uh, talk a little bit deeper uh, about their own topics. So, Thank you all from Raquel, Emily, Aaron, Erica, Dawn. Thank you all so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and we really look forward to talking again soon. Absolutely. It won't, won't be the last time we all speak. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks all. So, Bye. okay. So please stay tuned for the individual contributions next. Thanks. Hi, my name is Aaron Sikorsky. And this topic is 
defining your leadership style. Some of the best leadership advice I received was in September of 2016 from a friend who told me, remember, you're a big sister. It was a time in my career that I was going through a transition. I'd spent the previous four and a half years constructing investment portfolios and was transitioning to my first role in management where I'd be responsible for four teams and over 20 people. I was very nervous and very excited. They say that management and leadership are two different things, that management is a position or a title and that leadership is something that you must earn. 2020 taught us a lot. The lessons that I'm taking with me are one, leaders must be able to pivot and adapt to a changing environment. And two, leaders must be able to build strong teams. Focusing on the second, building a team is not so different than building a portfolio. The underlying investments of a portfolio are like members of a team. They can be ir irrational, volatile, and emotionally driven. <laughs> Also, like managing a portfolio, it's important to identify top performers, to occasionally rebalance, and when there's a gap, leaders should step in. While searching for a new talent to fill the gap, they should look for someone to diversify the thinking, strengthening the portfolio, and enhancing performance. Going back to the advice in 2016 from my friend to, be a, to remember to be a big sister, it is, what it meant to me was to treat my team much like I do my two younger sisters. That means to be empathetic, to be a good listener, to protect them, and at times to step back so that they can grow. I picture our strategic plan like a war <laughs> and each goal underneath is a battle. And every day our team steps onto the field prepared to battle. Sometimes I need to be in front, clearing the obstacles so that they can advance on their goal. Other times I must fall back so that I'm watching for threats, making sure they're staying on track to meet their goal and observing. What this leadership value means to me is that my number one responsibility is to serve the team so that they can serve our clients and that the firm's objectives are met and that we can all be successful. Thank you. And we're going. Hello, everyone. My name is Christy Ballard, and this is Erica Siebert. We are both senior leaders at Solstice Senior Living, and I could think of no one better than Erica to speak on the topic of leading through a crisis. Erica supports 10 communities across five states, approximately 60 employees. So Erica, why don't you explain the importance of this topic and tell us more about it? Thank you so much, Christy. So as Christy said, uh, our topic today is leading through crisis by creating collaborative dynamics and teams. I thought that this was the perfect topic based on our world turning upside down. Overcoming our business adversities during this pandemic has brought about great opportunities to quickly adapt, pivot, and learn. These are the key fundamentals and great leading, collaborating, and creating those dynamic teams that we really need in order to move our business forward. So what do you think has been one of the key components to creating a collaborative team? You know, we've done a phenomenal job at 
taking a deep breath, not freaking out, adapting and pivoting quickly. Uh, quickly is the word, right? We didn't just sit around and say, what's happening? Um, right. Most of us had to evaluate what life looks like now because now is not what it was uh, a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. This other side of the pandemic, we really had to think about how we work together. And that included strategizing, sharing resources, because we're all going through this. It's not just our own uh, industry, it's everyone. Um, sharing knowledge, and which is probably the biggest thing that we do from a day to day. And that really helped us uh, face what the challenges were in front of us, pivot and um, adapt to how we could actually continue to sell and grow our business. So what do you feel we did best when the pandemic started to disrupt everything, especially our business? <laughs> well, we, man, I could name a whole bunch of things, but I think uh, one of the most important pieces is hire and retain for value and culture. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really big when all this was going down, you got to see who your tough were and um, also bring in new talent, which we've had the opportunity to do because um, some people have lost their positions and we were fortunate enough to pick up some really good talent. Um, personally, for me, um, it's important to work in an organization where I sh share the same values and principles. Um, I've worked in an organization where there was no culture, really, really bad um, upper leader. And ultimately, that organization still is suffering with massive turnovers. And I don't know if their business is doing very well. Mm -hmm. As you know, in my current role, I've had that opportunity to um, I say, find new talent and also retain the talent that we had on our team. Um, I find it highly energizing because each of these associates bring a unique set of skills. Having them collaborate together has been phenomenal in us overcoming our obstacles and ultimately having some big successes. I completely agree with that. But what do you think is the best way to build and retain our team? Well, you are a, um, a true beacon of this and a light. Um, you love to develop people and that's one of the reasons why our culture is so great. Um, it is so important that we continue to develop our associates. Let's face mm -hmm. it, organizations that have highly engaged associates outperform all their competition. That's why we don't have the turnover that other organizations do in our industry. Um, it did a big positive for this um, during this pandemic that we're truly taking the time to connect, listen, learn, understand, and work together. It's collaboration at its highest form. We've had to pivot in the way that we utilize technology. Um, who knew that Zoom was gonna be the best <laughs> that we have meetings like this? Um, we've personalized our trainings. Um, our and children have been part of our collaboration in the background sometimes. Um, but, you know, this has brought about phenomenal creativity. Um, a great example of that is, you know, we're showing what life is like in our communities. Um, it's not all uh, smoke and mirrors and stock photography. It is life every single day. And the teams have really done a great job with um, evolving with that and celebrating um, how we've continued to be successful. 
And so uh, the creativity that's come out of this is definitely another positive um, because it's helped us have those much needed wins. I agree. I feel like it's given us the space to be creative, you uh-huh. know, instead of being busy all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, a different kind of busy. I mean, we're still busy, but it's a different kind of busy. So I love how you button this up and put it in very clear points. So what I heard you say repeatedly is that it was really important when you're leading through a crisis to adapt, to pivot, uh, change things up as needed, uh, collaborate more with your team and with your teammates, try new things. Don't be afraid to try new things. Build on your team's strengths, recognize their strengths and build on their strengths. And most importantly, celebrate each other's wins, celebrate each other's successes. I love that. And I completely agree with you. This has been our saving grace. This is what's really helped us get through this. I am so grateful you collaborated with me on this video. (laughs) Thank you. And I am excited about 2021 because the future is bright, no matter what. Yes, it is. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Emily Downey. I'm the president and CEO of the Woodford County Chamber of Commerce right here in Kentucky. I'm also the executive director of Woodford County Tourism, and I have my own business. I'm an entrepreneur, um, and my business is EKD Strategies, focusing on business development and marketing. And all of that is wrapped into kind of multitude of really cool projects that I found myself doing um, and being able to dive deep into using my skills at right here in my home, in my community in Whitford County, Kentucky. For those of you who don't know Whitford County, I would be remiss if I didn't share that we are in the heart of the U.S., located right here in central Kentucky, green grass, rolling hills, the best bourbon and wine you've ever tasted, and some of the best athletes in our four-legged celebrities are horses. So if you were ever around the area or driving through, we're in a day's uh, drive of most of the U.S. population. Stop in, see us, um, come around, see our Southern hospitality, eat our great, great cuisine. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So what I'm here to talk to you about today, I have been asked to share some insight and just some thought on a couple of topics. The topics that I have chosen to discuss are one, creating collaborative dynamics in teams, and to leading through a crisis. Leading through a crisis, what better time than to really reflect on this right now during the COVID pandemic? Who could have imagined that we would be here just actually eight, 10 months ago? You know, at the beginning of the year, it wasn't even really on our radar, and it definitely wasn't to the, the extent that it has become now. But I think that while it has had some challenging times, It also is a very exciting time, a time of opportunity, a time to reset, take a pause, to understand where we were and where we want to go, to step back from our business, to look at it with maybe a different lens or our organizations as a whole, look at them through a different lens, see if there are things that we are not doing, but also evaluate how we stay sustainable and relevant in the future. And I think that is the most kind of important key term that we could all think about as business people in today's climate is staying relevant. If we're not constantly taking a step back to evaluate that with a clean lens, a fresh lens, thinking are we relevant in today's society and in tomorrow's society? And are we relevant not just to us, but for 
tomorrow's clientele. Is our clientele today who it will be tomorrow or who it should be? You know, just because it may be a traditional industry that you operate in, doesn't mean that, that those are the only clients and customers that you can target. Or perhaps it's the other way around. Um, maybe, you know, it really kind of needs to be focused and narrowed and then take a step back to go into phase two, which could open it up more broad. Whatever the case is, it's a really exciting time for us to take a step back. It's also a time to pause and reflect that we are all humans at the end of the day. We are all just people. We all have real lives. We have families. We have communities. We have real, um, you know, adulthood to take care of, whether that be bills or choices. Um, and so at the end of the day, I think understanding and remembering that our clients, our customers, our team members, our supply chain, we are all people. And I think in times like this, it really brings humanity back to kind of ground zero to earth. And we, we recognize maybe that we were just going through day to day. We weren't taking time to build relationships with others, to really dig deep and invest in those relationships. And now that more than ever, it is so important that we dig deep into our relationships with not only our customers, but our whole network and our business and also our community as a whole for the greater good. So there's a real opportunity for us to reimagine, rethink and dream about what we want to be. It's a time for us to take the opportunity to do things that we maybe don't have time to in our daily lives. We've just gotten too busy um, or maybe we're just too focused on our checklist of today and tomorrow and we don't really look long term at our goals. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to take a step back, to reset and to pause. While there always is you know, doubt and challenge and that can bring anxiety and a number of other emotions, I really feel like that this is a great opportunity for us and our businesses to rethink where we are and where we wanna go and how we're gonna do business and how we're gonna get there. Maybe it means cutting the fat, maybe it means taking things off of our plate that weren't that important, but they were taking up a lot of time and energy. Maybe it takes reinvesting and looking at the future, investing in new avenues or trying new things that we never have before. Now is the time to do that. And it is a great opportunity for our businesses. While yes, it's been a challenge and I don't want to underestimate um, that or, you know, I, I, I don't want to underplay that by any stretch, but I do want to emphasize the importance and the opportunity that we all face here, which is actually an exciting horizon that there is a new tomorrow, there is another tomorrow, and we have an opportunity to make ourselves in this time even better. Look at partnerships, look at collaboration, look at our teams and remember that, hey, we're all people. And first and foremost, we are people and not business um, owners and operators and colleagues. We are people and we look at relationships. We thrive off relationships. And so making sure our whole business model is based off a need and a service and that we look at each other as people and get back to that connection point. Which brings me to my next topic of collaborating, um, creating collaborative dynamics in teams. That's really, really important for us um, to create a culture of collaboration. This is something I think that is not always um, a given in company cultures. You would think that um, teamwork and we all say it and we use it as a buzz buzzword, um, but it's not always a given in all of our business environments. Um, so it is really has to be something that we are intentional about creating a culture of collaboration. And what I mean by that is making sure that we have three things. Number one, we have the culture. We've invested, we've been intentional about it, we've put thought into it, how we want to achieve that. 
and we've put some measurables to it, we put some goals to it, we put some action points to it, we put people responsible for making sure that this culture of collaboration is happening. Secondly, we want to make sure that our teams have the tools to be able to do that. Is that technology? Is that time? Is that resources? Um, is that just, you know, the opportunity and the culture and an encouragement to take time to work with others well and to be rewarded for that? Um, that can often be something that's just kind of a given, right? We would all hope that we all work well together and that we consider other people's strengths um, areas of interest when we go into project development but there's a lot of hands and time isn't always on our um, on our side so it's really important that we take the time to understand how we use those tools and that we give our teams those tools and then lastly like anything else to make it happen and to make it sustainable you have to continue to evaluate and update or reset so continue to get feedback and better your practices um, and continue to encourage your team members to collaborate not only with each other um, but collaborate with different partners always keep an open mind to that you never know when you'll meet somebody when a really cool out-of-the-box partnership could come as well and then of course with customers in today's society there are so many business relationships where someone is a customer in one sense and also maybe a supplier in another and so making sure we're keeping those supply chain lines open, we're keeping our minds open to those opportunities and we're not missing anything. So that is how I would encourage you guys all to create a very collaborative culture. Live it yourself, of course, as a role model is number one. And then lastly, um, kind of my personal uh, piece of advice or something that I wanted to share with you today um, is just being intentional about being you, being your most authentic self and making your own community. It's so often times that we think, oh, we can't be who we are on Facebook um, or, you know, we need to have different kind of work standards and community standards and Facebook standards and what we put out on different mediums and platforms and communication channels and in different relationships is different. Um, but what I would say to you is just be authentically you. Um, even if that doesn't match the current culture that you're in, maybe you need to find a different culture that matches kind of where your passion are. Because what I find is that when you find your passion about um, your work um, and your, your sense of being, then everything becomes not work. It becomes just a lot of fun and it changes your day-to-day -day outlook. When you're working with people that you enjoy, you're doing work that you're passionate about, it changes the whole dynamic. And that in turn creates things like collaborative cultures um, and you know passion for what you're doing. That's what you wanna achieve in your life. So I would just say to be intentionally you be authentically you in every avenue of your life um, and maybe if that's not possible in your workplace check something else out you'll find what is your passion thanks for tuning in again and again i am emily downey follow me at emk downey on instagram and twitter and i'll be sure to look out for you guys have a great one Hello everyone, my name is Raquel Boris and I am the Chief Excitement Officer for True To You Branding. And I wanna to talk to you about Madonna. What, Madonna? Yes, Madonna. I even have a Madonna t-shirt. <laughs> Obviously I'm a fan. Well, let's see. Madonna's been around for a really long time, right? So she started out in her teens. I became a fan of hers when I was in elementary school. I'm 45 and I'm still a fan. But you know why I'm still a fan? Because she has managed to reinvent herself and remain relevant. <laughs> she has fans from all ages, from all around the world. 
And it's because as an entertainer, she understands how important it is to adapt to what is going on around you. So every decade, there's a different theme. There's a different style. So she's pretty much been a chameleon. <laughs> One decade, she could be, you know, blonde ambition with her blonde wig. And then next she could do, you know, what is it? Express yourself. Then there was a whole like a prayer album and she's managed to remain out there and remain a force to be reckoned with. I mean, she's at the point now where she is working on a movie about her entire life because that's how interesting she is. And we have to admire and respect someone who has not let her age or what is happening in the world, the trends, that they haven't stopped her. She's persevered, you know, she's been super tenacious. And that is something that I wanna talk about because I do personal branding and I myself understand how important it is to be able to reinvent yourself, to rebrand. Just because your brand one day doesn't mean you can't change it the next. We do know that a lot of the big companies like Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Apple, you know, at the core, they're the same, but they've been able to change their logo, maybe change their colors up a tiny bit, because once again, they have to, you know, stay with the times. And that's the same thing for us, for entrepreneurs, for business owners, we have to stay with the times. And right now they're crazy times with the pandemic. So I think a lot of us before the pandemic thought one thing and now we're in a place where we're realizing like, oh no, I need to make a change. And that is something that I myself am going through. And so as a personal branding strategist, I'm okay with that. Why? Because at the core, I still am who I am. And that's why I named my business True To You Branding because if you, you are true to who you are, it doesn't matter you know, what costume you're wearing or what product you're selling or what service you're doing. If it's still you and people connected with you emotionally, it's okay. So I'll give you an example. When I started my business in January, I thought, okay, personal branding, that's all I'm going to focus on. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have my clients. I'm going to have my services all based on branding. Well, then the pandemic hits and I realized that I didn't want to be someone that was out there selling myself. I just am a very empathetic person. So I was just not feeling it because of what was going on in the environment and people were losing their jobs and people, you know, were scared about what was their future was going to look like. They didn't know if they were going to be able to pay their bills. So in turn, I decided, you know what? I am someone that is very positive. I like to make people laugh. I like to make them smile. I don't take myself seriously. So you can find me on a video dancing around, showing my bloopers, basically making a fool of myself. And I'm okay with that. So I started putting content like that out on social media and people really connected to it because it made them feel good. And so that is what they wanted more of. And so then I gave them what they wanted. <laughs> And now it's come to the point where the personal branding part of it, you know, the business part is really not my priority right now. Yes, I still have clients, but my priority is to continue to make people feel good about themselves. And then I realized, okay, I love to talk. I love children. 
I wanna do something that's different. So what I did is I just started a YouTube channel called Rock the Boat, and I have it spelled as R-A-Q for Raquel. And I'm having conversations with children of all ages from all around the world. And it's just a simple conversation talking about anything and everything. I want children to walk away feeling empowered, feeling worthy, feeling as if you know someone is actually listening to them. I want them to just feel positive. And so that is what I'm doing because I realize that it is okay to make a change. And not only that, I've really learned to listen to my inner voice. I've been someone that has been very quick to look for the answers outside of myself, asking others their opinion, asking for others for the answers when a lot of times the answers are right here. I just pretty much ignored it. And now I'm not ignoring it anymore. I take the time to quiet the outside noise and to sit still and sit present and just listen to that inner voice. And it's really telling me what I should be doing. And that's essentially what it is, is I am going to be focusing on some different things and it's okay. I'm in the process of reinventing myself like Madonna, but I know that the people who do follow me or that I'm friends with, or I have them in my circle, they're gonna continue to follow what I do because I'm still being true to who I am at the core. I'm just on the surface level might be changing what I'm doing career-wise or business-wise. And so, you know, there's others like, let's see, Janet Jackson, Lady Gaga. Obviously there's a lot, it's, you know, usually in the inter entertainment industry where you get to actually see people, you know, doing different things and reinventing themselves. But it happens in the business world all the time as well, especially with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs were constantly changing and, and that is okay. So I'm just basically here to tell you that I myself am going through my own rebranding. So if you feel like that's something that you can't do because you're worried what others gonna what others are going to think, I would just focus on being true to yourself, just being true in your core of who you are, and you're gonna be fine, believe me. But I also think that you should have fun with it and just choose to trust the process, to trust your journey. We're all on a different journey. We're all going through different struggles and obstacles. And I feel that they're all put there in order to teach us a lesson, to teach us something about ourselves. You know, the most personal growth that we usually, the most intense personal growth that we go through is when we go, are going through the worst case scenario of something in our lives. And that is essentially what is happening to a lot of us is that we are going through probably some of the most difficult times we ever have, but that's when we're going to grow the most and learn the most about ourselves, which in turn is a positive thing. So I just want you all to take that with you and go Madonna, express yourself. <laughs> okay, I can't sing, but all right, take care everyone. Hello everyone, um, my name is Bex Beer and I'm the founder CEO of A to V. We are a tailored um, product development company. We design and develop IP um, for our retail customers that are based all over the globe. Um, we also then produce the product um, and um, project manage it to delivery onto shelves. Um, so it's quite a varied business. Um, and there's about 45 of us within the team, a real blend of male and female, and a real blend of roles and jobs within our company. 
So the topic that I've been looking at is how to manage and lead in a crisis, and which is really, really interesting because I think maybe the obvious one is the pandemic, but I'm going to choose a less obvious one, which is when things go wrong in the business. So this is actually from a couple of years ago, um, this example, when really it was a crunch time for our business. Um, we'd got a large order, it was worth over a million pounds um, from our core customer. And um, we'd placed the order with a production facility based in China and things were not going well. There was a lack of transparency, there was a lack of um, samples coming through and, and we couldn't quite pin everything down. And it was causing deep concerns. We would take um, action and have conversations and phone calls and Skype chats. Um, and yet there was a real lack of um, continuity and, and things being followed up. Um, and this was jeopardizing, significantly jeopardizing our relationship with our key customer and fundamentally jeopardizing the stability of our business. It was that critical. So um, here are some of the things that we did during that crisis. I do not believe in holding all the information um, personally right here. And as a leader and as an owner of this business, um, I always think that transparency actually aids um, progression. And that's in everything that we do. So I sat down the entire team and the entire business and we all sat down and we explained and some of them were aware of how critical it was and others did, weren't. We sat everyone down and, and basically brainstormed like, what do we do? This is actually, if this all goes wrong, we may not have a business. That's how critical it was. And, and it was through brainstorming that one of the team just basically said, we'll get on a plane Bex. And it was an idea that I'd not thought about, that none of the, the leadership team had thought about, but actually um, it was one of our project managers that just said, we'll get on a plane and go and see what's going on because we, we need that visibility. Um, so I literally booked a ticket that night and within about seven hours I was on a plane to China and I was very aware instantly of how bad things were. There was no production manager um, and things were really not being managed to the, the level of um, detail and accuracy that we would have expected. So I kind of rolled up my sleeves and I was having constant dialogues with the team based back in the UK and um and asking them okay well, i'm gonna do this 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 and i rolled up my sleeves and i actually did not sleep for more than 48 hours um and i was teaching them how to pick pack do the sign off qc um all with very minimal knowledge of the chinese language um and my hands were bleeding and i was wearing gloves and uh which i've kept just to remind me of what I'm willing to do. And um, yeah, it was a pivotal moment for us as a business and for me personally. And I remember coming back and, and picking and packing and sorting it all out and making sure, and I didn't leave the country until the containers were loaded, we got all the seals, everything was done, photographs, evidence, like everything was sorted. Got back on a plane and sat with my team and kind of mentally and physically exhausted um, and having the conversation with the team going, okay, 
um, here is the realities, here's what needs to happen, and us all literally pitching in. So I, I learned that there's different ways to lead. You can lead from the front and you can lead from the trenches. And I know that my particular style and within a crisis is, is to dig deep and to lead on the field. Um, I don't think that I could ask any of my team to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, and I think the transparency and the authenticity in which you can lead does make a difference. I think everyone um, felt very personally invested in the outcome. And um, and I tell you what, the fast forward a couple of years, everything that we learned from that experience actually flowed through into how we've managed the pandemic um, and how the team have responded and reacted. I think you create camaraderie. It's a word that we use within the team. Um, and even though our business is, is, is probably three times the size now as it was then, we've not lost those qualities. Um, and we maintain that transparency and that camaraderie um, throughout any type of crisis. The mini ones are big ones. And it's not about blame. It's, not, it's just about focusing on the fix. Include everyone in the problem. Um, because it's the left field um, thoughts and the left field um, kind of suggestions that are really the ones that you need in those moments because you sometimes just cannot think um, outside of your own experience. And um, I was just really, really grateful that we operated almost like a cohesive single unit and and everyone had a role and responsibility and and felt a sense of investment in it, things working out. So that's an example of where I've led probably at the biggest crisis um, in our business's um, existence. And then any other crisis that has come, actually we've benefited from that type of experience. Um, and we've known that we just pulled together. Um, I hope that's a good example to have shared. As a little girl, I watched my mom in a position of power in a corporate environment and it was so interesting to me that for such a small petite person she and i tower at five two that she commanded such respect from her subordinates from her peers from her colleagues from her superiors and i look back now and i think i've consciously and subconsciously emulated some of her leadership skills and her abilities because she had to come up with some really unique strategies to break down barriers. People weren't accustomed to having a female, first of all, in her position and a person of color. So I think we've come a long way. There's still a lot of heartache out there, but we've obviously busted some barriers over the decades because I'm now fortunate to be sitting in a position of authority in what is traditionally a male-dominated industry. I'm in automotive, so it is not lost on me that the work of women like my mother paved the way for me to be able to get here to where I am. And I'm not going to discount the assistance of men too, the support of men who didn't necessarily hire me because I was female or because I'm a person of color just for the purposes of affirmative action, but because I'm good, right? I, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing and I'm passionate about what I do. So to me, that's what the importance of diversity 
in a workplace is. You don't hire people just to be able to fulfill a quota or a count of different types of cultures and different genders and different creeds and belief systems. We're hiring them for their creativity. We're hiring them for the differences in background and experiences and thought. So for me, when I'm looking at a diverse workplace, it is to mirror the world around me, but again, not in terms of eye shape or hair color or height or from what country they came, but their stories. How many different stories put together can tell the story of this company? How many stories put together can create and support and highlight and showcase this brand? And what kind of story, unified, can we together tell? Hey everyone, Mark and I are really grateful you guys listen and download. We're trying to make this season even better with brand stories and cool interviews with uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and things from behind the scenes that we just can't find anywhere else. We're trying to make this something we ourselves enjoy listening to. Do us a favor, please leave us a review. When you go into Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, just shoot us a review. That really matters and it helps us keep this going. Again, thanks for listening. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs>